So the question I have for us this morning is, uh, what does it mean for you to choose life today? What does it mean today, right now in your life, for you to choose life? But to be able to answer that question, I feel like it's important to dwell for a moment on just how difficult it is to make any kind of choice in life. Uh, I mean, the, the bigger decisions, not like what color outfit you're going to wear, although that can be a very serious choice for many of us and take a lot of work. But uh, as, as human beings, the ability to make choices based on our thoughts and our feelings is one of the most sacred tasks that we have. And when I look at this passage, there are a lot of choices being laid out. And it, and it feels very stark and almost black and white in the, in the contrast there. Life and death, life or destruction and prosperity, things like that. Like which, which one will you choose? And um, sometimes I can be kind of an indecisive person. I, uh, I've spent more than a few Saturday nights at home just because I couldn't make a decision about what I wanted to do. Anybody feel me on that? Or you just, you just couldn't narrow it down enough, and then all of a sudden it's 9.30, and you're watching a rerun of something, and uh, you're getting ready for bed. Right now in my life with three small children, that sounds like heaven, actually. Actually, straight up heaven. Um, but we have these trouble. We have these 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 trials and tribulations. Just making choices uh, sometimes, and then and then sometimes we get these big big things put in front of us. Like you've just got to choose this and make up your mind, and your life will go really great if you do this, and it'll go terrible if you don't. The other thing that that hit me though, as I was, I was thinking about this and how this, this did used to feel so much more simple for me un, until I, I realized as I got further and further into adulthood that there were choices I felt like I wasn't capable of making for myself. Like there were just some things you can put life and death in front of me and somehow I could choose something that metaphorically leads me closer to death but I didn't know how to make a different choice. I don't know if anybody can relate to that, that sort of, that sort of feeling this morning. I, I was, my wife and I were, were, were trying to get on the same page with something uh, just last week. And I ended up uh, getting in touch with something very deep and core inside of me that related to this, that my inability to not defend myself. That as much as I wanted to be able to have a conversation in a certain type of way with my wife, that I just, because of things that shaped me from early on, I just couldn't not defend myself, even though I wanted to, even though that would have brought life to the situation that I was in. Is there something like that for you? Is there anything where you would like not to spiral into self-loathing when something happens, but you just do every time? Or you just can't stop shopping. You just can't do
do it. You just keep buying stuff all the time. Or you always end up drinking when this certain thing happens in your life. That there are things, even though you want to make a different choice, you don't actually have the freedom to be able to do it. And what struck me about this wild book in the Bible, Deuteronomy, hidden right there in part of what we call the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, it's supposed to be all about law um, and, and, and commandments. And, and you can see that here, but there's, there's so many other layers to what's happening in this story and that the people that we hear Moses speaking to right now are dealing with the very things that I brought up. There are things that shaped who they were at that moment and what they were and what the expectations of them were that were outside of their control, completely outside of their control. So what that means is they're exactly like you and me. There was no ideal situation happening here. There was no stark black and white situation going on. And it was just easy and you just do what's biblical. Biblical. Um, let me tell you a, a, a little bit about this, this book, this book Deuteronomy. Um, the name comes from two words uh, in the Greek, deuteros and nomos. A second law. So this is, this, is, this is Moses. I'm telling you this because we're going to come back to this about halfway through. But this is another telling of Moses, you know, Charles, Char, what's his name? Charleston Heston, what's his name? Yeah, comes, comes down from the mountain, Moses, with the laws. And, and this is the end of Moses leading the Israelites, following God, and they've made it to the promised land. And Moses is up on a mountain, and he is talking to the people, and he is telling them all these things as he looks over into the promised land with the Jordan River between him and it. And he is making sure that the Israelites know what they're doing, who they are, what they're going into, what the covenant that was made with God. Now, here's, here's the thing. All the people that Moses was talking to were a second generation of folks who were not there at the beginning of their period wandering in the desert. And, and, and let, me, let me read you a couple scriptures about this because this, this connects to the things that we've inherited in our own lives. So in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9 through 13, it says this. Moses is, is reminding the people of, of some things. He says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen. Or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children and after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, assemble the people uh, for me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and teach them and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens, with black clouds, 
and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow, and then wrote them on two stone tablets. So you hear all of those, when you saw this, when you stood up, when you did these things, but the thing about it is all of the people there hadn't seen any of those things. They, they hadn't stood up. They had not seen the mountain. And yet Moses is ascribed, he's giving that history to them. Is there anything like that in your life? Things that you've just been given and you're like, okay, well now I have to live out of this. I have to live out of this identity, whether it's comforting to me or whether it's scary or whether it's painful or whether it's hard. And there's people telling me you have a choice to make and I don't know what to do or how to make that choice. So uh, there's a couple of scriptures here um, following, and I'm just going to put them up and summarize them really quick. First one is in Numbers 14. And this just shows, for those of you Bible scholars out there who want to know that I'm telling, I'm telling it right, okay, this just shows in the other books of the Torah in, in Numbers that uh, these folks, this first generation, hey, they're not going to make it. Not one of you will enter the land I swore uh, talking about the promised land. In Deuteronomy 2, verses 14, the next one, uh, it says, 38 years passed from the time we left Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the Zerid Valley. By then, the entire generation of fighting men had perished from camp as the Lord had sworn to them. And then listen to this. This is so curious, but it is so important for us today to think about for our lives, the things that we have inherited. In Deuteronomy 5.3, it says this, it was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. So Moses here wants the people to understand while you were physically and literally not there, the decisions of your parents, of your family, of the generation before you shapes the world and the choices and the perspective that you have. And I want you to understand that. I want you to imagine that you experienced the same things that they did. And so when we are trying to make sense of this life, we're trying to make sense of the choices that are put before us, it's important for us to be aware of that just as the Israelites needed to be aware of that. Uh, and Moses was trying to make that clear to them. To further complicate this passage and this book of Deuteronomy. The people hearing this book, not the people in the story, but the people hearing it were not the Israelites in the desert. The authorship of this book was several hundred years later. 
to a people in a very different situation, in a very different scenario. But the author wanted them to know that you are connected to these people and to this situation and that their choices are not just theirs, they're your choices as well. What I want us to do as we consider these questions this morning, as we continue for a few more minutes moving forward into this work, is I want us to wake up as much as we can to the things that influence how we see the world in front of us, the choices that we make. What are these choices? What are the choices that we have in front of us? Let's look back at the scripture here from our reading this morning. In verse 16, it says, For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. So he's telling them, follow commands, follow these decrees and laws, and you will live. And it's not just a set of rules that Moses is talking to the people here about, the choice to follow these, but these represent something. They represent a special relationship that those people had with God called a covenant. And so he is telling them, this is a part of your identity, that if you act and respond to life in this way, it will shape who you are. So there's the idea of a covenant here, but then there's also just the idea that our choices have consequences. Sometimes we've gotten the notion inside the church that once you're in, your choices don't really have consequences because Jesus just died for your sins. But then we look on the outside and we judge everybody else by a totally different standard. But here in the text, what Moses is telling us is, yes, your choices have consequences and they shape who you are and who you will be and where you came from and where you're going. That choices have consequences. Um, there's a quote from uh, a writer, theologian, essayist, novelist, uh, African-American man named James Baldwin, and he summarizes this idea in a powerful way. He says, people pay for what they do and still more for what they have allowed themselves to become. And they pay for it very simply by the lives they lead. There are instances in the scriptures where we see that there are these sort of blessings and, and curses, and it can look almost like it's, it's, it's frivolous or it's just sort of random, um, these sort of blessings or curses. But here we see a strong connection between choices that just lead to life and choices that lead to destruction. Not life like breathing, not like biological life, but thriving, but prosperity 
and those type of things. So I'm wondering today, what does it mean for you to choose life today for you? What have you fallen asleep to in your life? These choices that you are making, the ones that you're capable of making right now that are not leading to life, that are, that are degrading your relationships, that are degrading the world around us. What are those things? How can we wake up to them? How can we ask for help in those things in our lives? Again, it seems so simple sometimes. And in Deuteronomy 30, right before this, in the previous verses, he says this, and this is, this is important, this is valuable. He says in verse 11, Deuteronomy 30, now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. Some, sometimes it's, it's not that something is beyond our reach. It's not that it's, that it's complicated for us to do something, but it is uncomfortable oftentimes to choose something. We can become attached to choices we make that lead to death just because it's something we're comfortable with, just because it's something we've stopped asking ourselves about because we've used it for so long, it's just become normal to us. And we grew up that way. And our parents made those same decisions and choices. And so I wonder what we can wake up to today, something that you know, nobody has to tell you, it's not far away from you, but it's close, that you need help because it's killing you or your relationships. In verse 12, it says, it is not up in heaven so that you may, so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it, nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim to it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so you may obey it. You know, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, yeah, Moses, that's all good and well. You're talking to these ancient Israelites and life was simple for you guys back then. You don't know what it's like to live in a pluralistic democracy that's globalized and we've got all these religions everywhere and worldviews and everybody, no matter what you say on Twitter, you're gonna get attacked from one side or the other or, 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 or parallel or something like that. You're gonna get hit. You don't know what it's like, Moses. Actually, the people that are being spoken to to this book were on the fringes of two very dominant cultures, Assyrians and Babylonians. And that part of this book maybe even was written, probably was written after the Babylonians had conquered the Israelites, the Jewish people. And what they had was their other religions. They had their other gods, their other perspectives on life and what was good and what was right and the laws and decisions that people should follow. It was complicated for these people who, by the way, remember, didn't see any of this stuff, never heard it themselves, but were being told, you need to remember this and do all this. I know nobody's ever experienced that in their life before, right? Um, and here's the thing. 
there's all these statutes and laws being talked about here. And part of it is that these people are in a covenant with God under these certain statutes and laws, similar to how if you were under the Assyrian king, there would be statutes and laws for you to follow to show that you loved that leader, that you were loyal to that leader. But here's the thing about choices. Sometimes they're simple, but hard, but sometimes they are complex. And anybody who tells you differently has yet to be honest with themselves about it. Because if we look back into these scriptures again, (laughs) um, in Deuteronomy 5, what we're going to look at is part of the Ten Commandments. If anything should be simple, it's the Ten Commandments, right? Don't do this, do this, ten of them, boom, we're done, follow these, moving on. Right? Let's look at them. Let's look at one. Deuteronomy 5, verses 8 and 9. It says, You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. So what if you're the third generation? What if you're the third generation and all your parents and grandparents before you screwed this up for you? What do you do? You're just in trouble, right? You just messed it up. So you just got to kind of like live out your days in shame and mourning. Maybe. God's talking to, through Moses is talking to these Israelites about to enter into the promised land, this cohesive nation of people. And so he's saying, hey, your actions are going to have consequences. You do this, there's going to be blessings. You do this, there's going to be curses. But the Israelites get into the promised land. They set up a kingdom. They have a king. They have David. They have Solomon. They have all these kings. And then they end up going into exile. They end up losing their kingdom, losing their land, and they end up with the Babylonians. And when they do that, living there in captivity for the Babylonians, the prophets of the time are telling them, it's because of your sins. It's because you worshiped other gods. You're facing the consequences of your actions. But then... But then Ezekiel, a prophet during the exile, has this to say on the screen. Chapter 18, verse 18 18 and 19. He's speaking of people who obey the law and who do not. And he says this, But his father will die for his own sin because he practiced uh, extortion, robbed his brother, and did what was wrong among his people. Yet you ask, Why does the son not share the guilt of his father? Since the son has done what is just and right and has been careful to keep all my decrees, he will surely live. The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them and the wickedness 
of the wicked will be charged against them. So let's look at those two parts of those those, um, passages at the same time on the screen from Deuteronomy and from Ezekiel. Go ahead and put the other one up. They contradict each other, don't they? And here's the thing. There's two different people being spoken to here. The people that Ezekiel has been speaking to, what's happening in their lives is they are in captivity and there's voices inside their heads and outside of their heads telling him, telling them, man, we screwed up. We just got to ride this out. We've got a lot of generations to ride this out for. And so we might as well just like worship the other gods, do the Babylonian thing, like make some good money, do what they do when in Rome or Babylon. And Ezekiel comes and he says, no, this is what I hear the Lord saying to me about our choices. What you do right now matters. The decisions you are making can change your situation. And even though I know what was said before, said you're in this type of predicament. The choices we make are hard in life. There are not enough rules for us to follow to take away our need to make difficult choices. There's 613 laws in the Old Testament. I got way more problems than that. So what do we do? Ezekiel rewrote the script. He said, the Ten Commandments say this, this is what I hear God saying, which means we need faith and we need to wake up to our decisions that we're making. And the ones that we have yet to be able to get what we need to to make. This is important and a point of passion for me because there are things in our history in the United States that are the same way as this. There is way more evidence in the Bible for slavery than there is against it. That the people who argued for slavery were able to say, just let me read this out loud to you and let me, let me hear what you think it says. Should we have slaves or not? And just read in the text. And yet, I doubt there are many of us in this room who would affirm slavery as a practice for those of us who follow Jesus. What this means, what Ezekiel has to say, is that we're not done thinking We're not done making choices and decisions. We're not done with faith. The rights of women. Let me read this to you, and then you decide, should women have equal rights to men? So what is encouraging to me about these passages is it shows that the people of God were never done thinking and praying and hoping that there would be revelation about who God was that became clearer 
and clearer so that we could make choices that more and more reflected who we know God to be. But if we go back, if we go back to the text that we started in, there is a nugget of that right there in front of our faces. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 30, the last couple of verses in it. Or actually, let's just do verse 20. It says this, For the Lord is your life. So, so, we, so we, have, we have decisions to make. And some of those decisions based on laws and decrees can either lead to prosperity or destruction, life or death. But at the end, but the end, the writer tells us, what is the substance of that life? It is God himself that these laws and statutes, these things written down and given to you help you stay on the path. They guard you on either side. They point the way, but they are not God. Each of us, beyond all other choices, have a choice to say, do have we already determined who and what God wants and requires out of us? Or are we willing to keep listening? Can we keep our ear to the ground? Can we keep our heart open? Can we see the people in front of us? Because I don't know anybody, anybody I've ever met that can fit, that can boil down to 613 laws. And Jesus said, I've given you a new covenant. Come on, y'all. I have given you a new covenant. It is a cup. It is a cup of fellowship that I'm handing to you filled with my very life, my blood. And so I am saying you can no longer do the hard and frustrating work of trying to please me by following all the rules. Rules are good. They're very helpful, especially for children and young adults up to at least 25, very, very important. But there is something beyond the rules. There is a life beyond and above and underneath and beside and next to the rules. And that life is the Lord himself. And so we need these rules, we need Deuteronomy, we need to be reminded and woken up that we have choices before us every day. But ultimately, what we are looking for is the one who stands beyond and beside and underneath and through those rules, those decrees, to the covenant of fellowship. Because, sure, it can be hard to follow rules and laws. Some of us are really good at it. Some of us use rules and laws as an excuse not to engage in the relationships that we need. 
Some of us, by obeying them, we have no time left to see the people in front of us and around us. But ultimately, the really hard work and the hard task that we have as human beings, and we were meant to do hard things, is to find and pursue life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this, for this ancient text, what it stirred up in us this morning, the questions that it gives us. I pray for the people here in this room that they would be encouraged and feel empowered, that their choices matter, their decisions matter, and that you are there with them in it, asking them to pursue life. Amen.